This is the Weekend Report on the Chico Demanwell Show. Let's get to it. to the weekend report on the Chico Demanwell show. This is part one of nine, and I've titled this series Mental Maintenance. Today, I'm gonna be talking about three logical fallacies or three conversational traps that lead people to get off focus in debates, not be able to articulate their ideas properly, and lead to the downfall of open dialogue and discourse. So without further ado, let's get right to it. 
Just because it's the weekend report don't mean nothing changed. I'm firing up right now. You should too. Mmm. I found some good ass weed from Steezy yesterday. This shit bomb. And I got myself one of them wax pens, so I'm in business. All right. Strike one. This is the straw man fallacy, but for the purposes of this series, I'm going to call it not all of, because it's, I think it's, it's the most common situation where you know you're about to hear the straw man, like nine and a half times out of 10, when somebody says, not all of, da 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 is usually a response to saying, somebody making a general statement. So I've kind of broke this down into what, when, why, who, and how. They talk about, you know, how you can identify and recognize this, who's most likely to do it, and when it's most likely to happen. So, for those of you that don't know, a straw man fallacy is when someone attempts to refute an argument that wasn't made, or, you know, attacking a man of straw. When are you likely to hear this? Whenever you make general statements, whenever you make statements about an entire group of people, whenever you reference a specific majority of people and excluding the exceptions. Now, if you look up the definition of the word general, it includes that. It includes like, okay, so when I'm speaking generally, the, the exceptions to my general statement are excluded. So like when I say men, like if I just say men do this and men do that, it should be automatically understood and inherent that I don't mean every single man alive. Like if I say men are six feet tall. And somebody comes and says, well, not all men, not all men are six feet tall. It's like, well, duh. And let's break that down real quick. And I'll keep going. It's like, if I say men are six feet tall, the statement is not universally true. It's not true in every situation, every instance of man. However, it is a fact that some men are six feet tall. That's an undeniable fact. It's, it's, it's not refutable. So when I say men are six feet tall and you say not all men are six feet tall, we both are right. Not all men are six feet tall. That is true. But for the purposes of what I'm saying, I'm making a general statement, generally speaking about men, specifically men six feet tall. So we don't need to acknowledge the exception of it for people to get the gist and understand what I'm talking about. Like, I'm just I'm just talking about men, men in general, like your average man. Like if you had a crowd of 100,000 men and you just picked pick a random guy out of that crowd, like, you know, that general. We don't need to talk about the other 99,999 who didn't get picked. We're talking about what we're talking about. Why do people do this? Why do people use this fallacy? Why do people engage with it? I'll say one, they probably don't know they're doing it. People do it because they feel attacked. They want to deflect blame or responsibility. They want to counterattack to dis uh, or to disprove something based on exceptions, which is, you know, kind of what I was just explaining, like not all of like when I say unless I say all men do this. Like the statements men do and not all men do are both true. So the, 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 what you're bringing up doesn't change anything. Like you're just making another true statement in combination with my true statement. But it's like, it's already known information. That's like saying like, there's 24 hours in a day. And you'd be like, yeah, but there's only 12 numbers 
used to, to, to measure time. And I'm like, all right, well, yeah, you got one through 12. Like, yeah, on the clock, sure. Like, that's true. Like, it doesn't, like, are you, are you disagreeing with what I'm saying? Like, are you, are you just talking because you want to be heard? You know, like, people want to use, uh, so oftentimes, a true fact, uh, a tr- something that's true, true fact is redundant. Something that's true to, like, attack something that's also true. And it just doesn't make sense. Like, that's what I say. You're refuting an argument that wasn't made. Like, it, it shows that you're not listening or that you're hearing something that I'm not saying. People also do this to cloud discussions with nonsense. Like, people want to introduce. Like, when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're having a, a, a serious discussion about a particular topic, like, topics tend to, like, get off track. Like, people talk about one thing, which leads to one thing, which leads to another thing, which leads to this thing, which leads to that thing. And after a period of time, you'll be completely off track. You won't be talking about what the discussion was initially about. And sometimes people use this straw man fallacy to to make that happen. Like, they don't want the conversation to be productive. They want it to be confusing. They want it to be overloaded with details so nobody can make heads or tails of anything. They just want to cloud the discussion with bullshit. Especially when the statement is likely to be true. You know? And like I said, a lot of times when this happens, like, straw men are true statements they're just improperly timed, you know? Who's likely to use a straw man fallacy? Who's likely to use a not all of? People who's losing round in a debate or when somebody doesn't personally do or engage in the statement, that's, that's you know, they don't, they don't personally do or engage in the statement or behavior, so they believe nobody else does. Now, this is like when people think their lived experience is the lived experience of everybody. People think like, oh, because, well, it happened for me this way. So this is just how it happens in life. And it causes people to reach improper conclusions and have incorrect data because they're only looking at things from their point of view. These people are closed minded or they're tunnel vision, narrow minded. They they are not open to other people's experiences, but they want you to include their experience as the ubiquitous universal experience for everybody and it just doesn't it does not work out when exchanging ideas because that's not an exchange that's a delivery they're giving you their idea and if you don't align with their idea you lose your seat at the table and that's not how it works a lot of times you'll have women do this like you have a woman who's having a conversation with you and you say like well some women take take their children from the man and don't and don't allow him to see that and then see the kids and then try to put him on child support and then they take the child support money and they go get a makeover blah 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 this and that and it's like there are women that do this also an irrefutable fact there are women that do this but a woman the woman you're speaking to herself she may not have done this she may have done the exact opposite actually so she takes her lived experience and says something like well see but not all women do that because i when i had or i know a girl and it's like first of all i never said not all women do this i was talking about the women that do because i can't honestly speak on what all women do i don't know all women i'm using women in a general sense so if this doesn't apply to you, you needn't be offended by it. Because I'm if, if you aren't this kind of woman, then I'm not talking to you. For example, if you go to a concert and, you know, you're going to see somebody or whatever, 
person's on stage rocking it, and they say, yo, yo, all, all my fellas, put your hands in the air. Like, you, you're not going to put your hand in the air because that, that message is not for you. You know, that you don't you don't apply to that. So, you know, you don't respond to it. So if what's saying doesn't apply to you in terms of what's being addressed, why do you need to apply to it? If you're not a woman who's used her kids as ammunition against a man, then I'm not speaking about you. But the fact that you take offense means that you're not hearing what I'm saying because you're you are you are pushing my words through the filter of your life experience. And it causes you to not get the point. You know, who else get involved in this? Someone who isn't hearing what is said. Yeah, someone who doesn't have an answer. Like if someone, when you, when you, you can tell when somebody doesn't have an answer, when you ask them a simple question, it's usually a very simple question. Like something like, let's just say, uh, like, you know, do you think guns should be taken from Americans? And they'd be like, what I think about guns is that, like, do you think guns should be taken from Americans? Yes or no. When people do this, it's not like they're trying to force you down a path. But they're trying, it's more like ultimatum. It's like, okay, so like all, like, because you're just using too many words just to make this discussion more simple than it is. Like, we've discussed all the, all the inner workings. It's like, at the end of the day, what's your, what's the bottom line on your take on this? Like, yes or no? Do you do this? Do you not? You know? And if you don't have an answer, or people have the answer, but they know if they say the answer, that's, that's checkmate, you know? It's like you're just chasing the king around the board now. Like, it's like you got your queen and your rook, and you're just chasing this guy. He's got, like, two pawns and a king, and you're just chasing him around the board, waiting for him to make a stupid decision. And, you know, boom. And some people will just tip the king over before they actually, you know, get checkmated. They will just surrender, or they'll get up, lead the conversation or some shit like that, you know. And also everyone at some point. Everyone at some point does do this. Everyone has subjected themselves to this straw man fallacy at some point, you know. So how does somebody do this? Like I said, I've explained it. When they use information, you have it explicitly provided to draw a conclusion. That's how it really happens the most. They use information that they either themselves assume or, or don't have about what you said to like draw you to a conclusion that you don't necessarily live at. An example, A, I enjoy shopping online. B, so you never gonna shop in a store again? Like, A never said they wouldn't shop in the store again. B assumed since A enjoyed online shopping that they wasn't going to stop in the store again, shop in the store again. And it's like, you assume for me just saying I like online shopping, I like it so much that it's the only thing I'm going to ever do. I'm never going to do anything that's not that. Never said that. Never suggested that. You're, you're, you're getting ahead of the gun. That's a false start. Like, in, in, in the mental race of our conversation, like, you are already at the finish line when the starting gun goes off. And it's like you didn't you didn't hear what I said. You heard what you you took what I said and you like went ahead with it. Like you advanced your end of the conversation before you absorbed my end of the conversation. A would say, of course I am. But if I can do it online, I would choose that over store shopping. So with all that being said about this, how do you make sure it doesn't happen? It's important to make sure people hear what you're saying and vice versa. You need to make sure that you're understood. Changing one word of a sentence can drastically change the meaning of what you say and create dissonance amongst your audience. You must be able to articulate exactly where you stand so that there is no lingering ambiguity about your position. People should not be able to do anything more than agree, disagree, or agree to disagree. You know, like you, you got to be able to explain what you're saying in such detail so that if someone does have a line of questioning, the que it doesn't like loop. It, 
doesn't constantly go back over and over and over where people are asking you questions. They're getting the answers, but not the answers they want. So they try to walk you down that line of questioning again, kind of like to test your honesty to see if you're lying or something like that. Like you got to be able to just like say exactly what you mean. Me- say what you mean, mean what you say. Like, if, for example, like this is good. This is one I use a lot. Like if you say, like if I go up to your house and I knock, boo, 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 boo. You say the door is open. Like the door is not open. I just knocked on it because it was closed. If the door was cracked, I could have pushed it. It could have moved. The door is not open. However, the door may be unlocked. If I walk up to your door, boop, 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 boop. The door is unlocked. Oh, okay. Touch the knob. Turn it because I know the door is unlocked. But saying the door is open is a false statement. The door is not open. Open doors typically don't require you to stop at them. You walk right through. It's a hole in the wall. A hole in the wall has to be open unless something is over that hole in the wall, which means it's closed. So saying the door is open and saying the door is unlocked is changing one word, but the meaning of those sentences change drastically just off that one word. So it's very important to even if, even if you got to hesitate, like if you're thinking about something and you're like, so what what I think about. Hang on a second. Think of how to formulate that sentence. Don't just blur out words. Like if pe- people will wait a, a, a period of time to hear what you have to say because people want their questions answered. So if you pause for like 10, 15 seconds and you think and like people can see you, you look like pensive and you're trying to figure out how, how to actually get this word out, how to get this sentence out, people will wait. And it's worth people waiting to make sure that when you speak, you're not misunderstood. Not all of straw man. Strike two, confirmation bias. For the sake of this series, I'm calling that Google it. What is confirmation bias? Well, that's when someone researches data to confirm what they already believe instead of challenging their beliefs, which is why I call it Google it. Because oftentimes when people have a stance that they feel very strongly about and they want to look up research and data on it. So, you know, my guess would be so they can sound right in a debate. They Google it, but they don't understand how Google works. So if you don't understand how search engines work, I'm not going to explain that to you here. That's not what this series is about. Go Google how search engines work. But let's say you were, I don't know, something like me. And you used to espouse openly the flat earth theory. Now, when I was looking up research on the flat earth, I would just Google, is this true about the earth? Is this true about the earth? Is this true about the earth? And of course, Google would bring up things that would talk about that being true. Now, whether they were actually true or not was not a measure that was used as a part of the search criteria. All Google did was give me what I asked for. So I was Googling the wrong things in terms of if I wanted to actually get down to the actual truth of what I'm looking at. Now, over time, I did start, I became aware of confirmation bias and I started to realize that there's definitely a bit of opposing viewpoint for every uh let's say so-called advantage or 
or some kind of factoid that would lend itself to the validity of my theory, my ideology regarding the shape of the earth. Like it was always something to combat that that was out there for each and everything. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not an airplane pilot. I haven't done any of these tests. And quite frankly, none of this shit pays my bills, you know? So it was just a good example of looking, looking at it in hindsight. Cause that was maybe like six, seven years ago. Looking at it back in hindsight, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm a lot more cautious about just accepting sources of data or like not doing any research on it if I'm going to talk about that shit publicly or in front of people or in a serious discussion about something. Because I really don't want to look stupid. When are you going to uh, encounter this confirmation bias? It's usually when somebody has read too many stories on too many stories on articles on one side of an issue. It's like when people have just been sitting there all day, all they get is all their information from one source, one source, one source, one source, and they don't, they're not open to any other view. So it's like that person has subjected themselves to only get one side of the story. And if you know anything about anything, one side of the story is generally never good enough. (laughs) Generally never good enough. So, you know, if somebody's always getting their sources from one place, they probably have confirmation bias and it's going to be hard to convince them of anything otherwise than what their main source of news tells them. Someone always has a counter argument. Like every time you say something, you might say something that you know to be true. Like, you know, this is objectively true. This is what it is. And somebody counters that information and you're like, well, what the fuck What's wrong with this person? Like, that's not right. Like, this is confusing. This you know, somebody's probably got confirmation bias. If they if they always got an argument, I went to an AA meeting and they said this one time, and it was a good little cliche per se, if that's what you want to call it, and it stuck with me for a long time. It says if you got all the answers, then you need new questions. It's like you you can't just know everything. Like if you were, if you did, you'd be like some well known, renowned, and respected and revered like authority on this topic but more than likely you're just some average person who just start talking about something because they start clicking youtube ads like you know they aren't any open to any conflicting information like especially especially conflicting information if like people will agree with you on everything that they think is right but then when you challenge something that they think is right it's like they can't handle it they start to melt down they start to panic or become belligerent ad hominem all that kind of stuff it's like yeah, this person probably is suffering from confirmation bias. They cannot handle or they don't want to in- introduce any conflicting information or something that would cause them to have to think that their ideology is 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 untenable, you know, and they broach topics that don't have definitive endings like conspiracy theories, like these things that like have never been is is nothing is conclusive about it. Like everything is just a, the the deeper you dig the the larger the question mark per se like it's it's just like a it's a it's a it's fool's gold like wild goose chase like you're just running around to enjoy the runaround not to actually you know it's not like running on a track it's just like setting a stopwatch and just running until you reach a certain point on the stopwatch like you don't know where you're gonna end up she could go anywhere you know it's open-ended thing to that whereas if you're running on the track you can run for the same time but you know you're gonna end up at least somewhere on that track Uh, you know you have a guide so people like to get in these topics and all they really want to do is argue and debate but not really to like better anyone to try to like covertly like infiltrate 
one's belief systems and like convert them. They have they have ulterior motives. They're not talking as like an open forum, like something that everybody will benefit from. They're just talking simply to to catch you slipping and like turn you, which I don't think is a good a good plan if you want anyone to ever take you seriously when when debating like you'll get a reputation for this really fast and people just won't talk to you because they know where it's gonna go they're gonna look at you as a radical extreme type of guy and it's like they're only gonna go so far with you because it's draining and i'm probably that guy sometimes but you know i try not to be why do they do this they believe they they have the answer to everything even if they don't these people are dangerous like if you don't have to deal with one of them if they're not your boss if they're not something like that do not deal with these individuals avoid them if they always think they have the answer they need new questions it's just that simple they display incredulity which means they like, even when presented with information like they just don't they they cannot they they refuse like they can be openly wrong about it and like still take the side of it because they're that devoted they're that unwilling to accept the fact that in life you're going to be wrong regardless of who you are so you should just try to minimize it as often as you can and not eliminate it because that's impossible you know these people just they like as soon as as soon as they figure out they're wrong like they lose their mind and it's embarrassing um speaking of that they're unwilling to admit what they're wrong because of feelings of embarrassment like like i said like these people cannot handle being wrong like they put so much weight into being right all the time that being wrong literally causes them to short circuit like they don't understand it like it's not it, it, the, the process of being wrong does not click in their heads like to them it's just like no like i can't be wrong something must be wrong with everything else because i don't experience being wrong that's not that's not my role but little do they know it is which is and then they want to be right too badly yeah like i said that's just all that too like their value of like what right and wrong or, or winning a conversation per se or like you know like they're motivated by impure kind of of motivation like they're, they're, it's not it's not for the good of everybody it's generally for the good of them or for the direct detriment of somebody else like it's not a healthy motivation and sometimes these motivations consume them and it causes them to engage in actions and do things and treat people a certain type of way which people might regard as like socio or psychopathic and if somebody's too emotionally invested in a particular topic like you know like they they just might it like i said it becomes a doctrine to them like they don't they're they are you know they are convinced that this is the way it is and anybody else is a dissident and like needs to be dealt with because they didn't align along the same path as them. They 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 didn't walk down the same tunnel that they walked down, tunnel of life, you know. So they want to, you know, sully you and, and make you seem like you're the problem when it's like neither of us is the problem. But like, you know, just for having different beliefs. But if you're gonna attack me for not believing yours, then you you sir are the problem, or you ma'am are the problem. And who is likely to engage in this kind of behavior? Conspiracy theorists, like, that's just the number one, like, you know, people, conspiracy theorists, like, they love that kind of stuff. They eat it up, and, you know, the likelihood that they might be on to something might be there, but, you know, the likelihood that you'll ever find that out is usually minimal. Radical leftists, like, that one speaks for itself. Radical leftists, trans activists, feminists, climate activists, and a lot of people. A lot of people do this. I'm sure everybody is, you know, has confirmation bias at some point, but it's really important that you know how to identify it so you can try to at least do it as, as, as least often or as, as use it 
with the most utility as possible make it positively positively beneficial for you you know and how does somebody do this it's like when they use questionable data or sources that only lend themselves that, that lend themselves to their argument and fail to acknowledge any other data like I said, people who like get all their information from one source are probably the most prime candidates to do this kind of stuff because they don't have a, a diverse repertoire of, of information and sources to choose from to like really make get as many sides of the story as possible and provide the most accurate story. They just want to use buzzwords and clickbait language to get you to look, to lure you in and get you to read and gossip this stuff around and spread it amongst the, the Internet and unfortunately it's effective sometimes but you know here's an example a look at this youtube video about why the earth is flat b who is flat earth wizard is this your source for what you're saying have you even looked at nasa's articles science isn't always right bro space isn't real now see a has some sketchy sources to heavily assert his claim despite b providing another source that may offer data which could contradict their position even a little bit all the data A looks at serves to further solidify his beliefs regardless of any other worldviews. Which, like you said, science isn't always right. Well, I mean, even if that's true, that doesn't mean the Earth is flat. Science may not always be right, but that's completely irrelevant. Like, science doesn't determine the shape of the Earth. Like, the universe and, and you know, space-time and space-continuum physics, all that decides is the size of the Earth. Not some platitude. So, how do you fix this? If you notice someone or yourself is fully devoted to something to the point where any conflicting info is immediately dismissed or you got canned material stashed to spew anytime somebody challenges you, you or someone likely have a problem listening. You must learn to accept that in order for you to have the freedom to express your views and beliefs, others must be able to as well in order for useful dialogue to occur. You don't need to agree with everything somebody says and you won't. Learn to disagree without contempt. Accept and welcome opposing viewpoints because you still have the freedom to live life as you please at whatever cost that has. You know, winning a discussion is not, there's not really, there's no, there's no virtue in that. If like nobody really benefits or that benefit can't spread to as many people as it possibly can. Like there's no virtue in just winning debates because like, you know, you're saying things that you know people are going to agree with or you're conversationally manipulative or something like that, like you some type of verbal con man. There's no is no real benefit to doing that, you know, in terms of for everybody. So it's 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 important to to understand that like there are different walks of life that people can take that lead them to the promised land of their of their design. And it's not particularly correct or appropriate decorum to just like, you know, slam somebody's way of life simply because it's different for yours or not try to take a walk down or experience things how they do. It actually makes you a more cultured and, and profound individual when you're able to do those things and you've been there and you've done that and you can speak from experience and not hearsay or folklore, you know. It's a very, very underrated type of thing, this confirmation bias. Like, people have it all the time and, they, and I think a lot of times it's real easy to fly under the radar when you do it. So you got to keep an eye out on it. That's confirmation bias, what I call it. Yep, Google it, confirmation bias. Strike three, two wrongs. Now, 
you probably already know what this is. It's a very common cliche, two wrongs don't make a right. And uh, that's exactly how I mean it. However, some people use this as, as a defense mechanism to avoid productive dialogue. Some people use it for all kinds of reasons. So before I start elaborating too early, let's talk about what it is. Now, what I'm talking, to, talking about when I say two wrongs is when you're addressing a behavior, usually a problematic one, and the response is a perceived similar behavior meant to highlight hypocrisy used to justify the addressed behavior. So I'm going to read that again because that's a pretty long sentence. So when addressing a behavior, usually a problematic one, and the response is a perceived similar behavior meant to highlight hypocrisy used to justify the addressed behavior. So it's basically like, uh, you know, instead of taking any responsibility, instead of saying anything about what I have an issue with, I just say, well, you do things too. You do it too. But what about such and such? Like, it's basically dry snitching. <laughs> That's what it is. It's dry snitching. Like somebody doesn't like that they've been called out on something. Somebody doesn't like that their behavior has been addressed and they want an immediate form of get back. So they just simply say, well, you do wrong things too. I'm not perfect. They say that that line, like, I'm not perfect. I'm, I do this and do that, blah, blah, blah. I'm working on it. Like all these kind of little nonsense lines that it's just filler talk for being called out. They can't just, it's, it's, it's not in it for them to just be like, yeah, you got me. Next time I'll, you know, I'll work on it. And then just do it and don't talk about it, you know. And it's usually used to try to like draw a, a line to hypocrisy. Like they're saying, like, well, you're doing something. You're doing something that you're saying I shouldn't do. You're saying do as I say, not as I do. So when do you see this most most often used? When somebody's dead to rights. Like if somebody does this like instantly, it's usually a sign of guilt. Like it's hard. Like when you know you're innocent or you genuinely don't care about a situation, like. The amount of effort that you that gets that you put into it depends on just how far somebody's willing to go to just push your button. And most people can't really get to that point because for the most composed people, like that requires effort and generally those people don't like to deal with effort. But when somebody is like dead guilty and they just start rattling off things about you or just like ad hominem to the extreme, like, you know, it just it you know, it, you should know from that point that this is not going to be productive in any way, shape or form. And if you can get out of it, you should get out of it. People do this when they know their behavior is wrong and they just don't care. Like they don't care. Like they don't value you. They don't respect you. They just look at you like some type of some obstacle that they had to deal with, something that you, they were using or, you know, you were just a pawn on the chessboard per se. Like it's, you know, who these people are narcissist sociopaths like avoid them you actually have done what you're accusing someone of like sometimes the hypocrisy is real and this is not you know it's a different kind of two wrongs where it's like you know like you actually just did what you know you're criticizing me of it doesn't solve anything but not all times is it incorrect or inaccurate like sometimes like you did do what, and it is blatant hypocrisy, and it usually is wrong when it happens, but not often. This is this is the exception. It's, it's like an anomaly kind of thing. Or when someone 
wants to argue or has no interest in solutions. Like when you realize that the problem is not the, the discussion isn't leading towards any kind of reconciliation. The problem isn't being solved. This is just dragging out. It's repetitive and it's starting to become physically exhausting as well. You know, you can take like this, this, this is usually built on a, you've done something wrong too. I don't want to admit like, if you're not going to do this, like it's some type of negotiation stalemate procedure that doesn't really, it's just, it's physically and emotionally draining. Now, why do people do this? Why would somebody want to engage in such a pointless, useless, and physically taxing behavior? It's usually to justify some bad behavior or an attitude. Like, they don't want to feel the wrongness associated with the behavior that they've done. You know, whether you tripping or whether you not tripping. Like, people just don't want to be called out for doing what they've done. And oftentimes, the more guilty they are, the more angry they get. I often use this example. Like if somebody was to walk up and tell me I look like a stupid librarian, like I know I'm not a librarian. I know I'm not stupid. This just doesn't really bother me in any way. But if somebody walks up and they like strike a nerve, like they say something personal, it's like, like you've never had kids because you're a failure and you'll never amount to anything. And, it, and if it bothers me and it's like, okay, you know, this is, this is probably true. I do feel that anger where it's like, I kind of want to talk about you now. But I understand, like, this is usually what someone wants. Someone is trying to get you to engage in juvenile behavior covertly. And I'm pretty hip to it. And it's like, if I go there with you, it's because I'm prepared to escalate this all the way. Like, if I'm not getting ready to go all the way to where it's, it could get physical, then I just don't escalate it at all. Because that's the only real final outcome of escalating the situation. I'm not escalating it to get to, get to Super Saiyan 3 and then reach a truce. No. That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> People use it as a distraction from their behavior. Like when you want to talk about something, they just want to just they need to get the focus off of them. They want the attention, but not the attention when they know they're at fault. Like it's something about knowing they're at fault that triggers these kind of reactions because make an accusation about them. That's false. That's actually false and see how they behave. Like when, when you when they actually are innocent, like which could only be oftentimes if you create the situation, if you completely make it up. You know, see how they behave and notice it'll be a stark co contrast to how they behave when they're actually guilty. They use it to escalate arguments. Like I said, like, that's why I said, um, if they're if they going to escalate it, I'm going to escalate it the whole way. Like, there's no halfway escalating a situation. I don't see the benefit of that. I don't see the purpose of it. I don't see the use of it, investing that much energy into it, you know, if you're not going to go all the way. They use it to dodge blame and to manipulate and because they have no solution and likely don't want one. That's usually like the key factor is like they don't want to talk about it because perhaps I would say this is the most common reason why like they know they're going to lose the verbal game. Like they're going to lose the debate. They don't have a leg to stand on. So it's like if you know you can't play hockey, why are you going to put on the skates and pads, grab the stick and get on the ice? Knowing you're just going to get body checked in the first 30 seconds and get paralyzed for the rest of your life. <laughs> Why would you do that? They don't want to solve problems. They don't want to engage in, in, in discourse. They don't want to have the back and forth because they know how physically draining and taxing it is. But they will do it to you. And if you call them out on it, you will be the villain for it because they don't want a solution. They just simply want to have they want to be 
like on their toes. They want to be fluid. They want to be able to either escalate the situation or de-escalate the situation or keep it, keep that for, they want to wait and sit on it until it's something they can use to their advantage because these people tend to be manipulative, narcissistic, and very, very borderline, have probably borderline personality disorder, bipolar, something like that. They got something going on upstairs. Who does this? Quote, villains, guilty parties, politicians, feminists, narcissists, and I would say most people. Most people do this, have done this, you know, and understand this as a tactic that they can use when they want to. Like they, you know, if they can use this on somebody that it will work on, I feel sorry for that person because it's gonna get done to them. They're gonna get abused by this. So how does this happen? It's when people are just endlessly combative and they don't agree to anything. Like they don't, like you can't like reason with them. Like, okay, so can we at least agree on this? Like trying to find a common ground with them is is like pulling teeth. It's a very, it's a struggle. It's a power struggle. And like, it's almost, if you're gonna play that game, like you almost have to resort to aggression in order to like, stand some ground because it, it can get that pressuring it can really get that pressuring they always vilify your behavior and treat it like it's tantamount to sin like they can do something to you a hundred times and you don't really say anything about it you roll with the punches you take it as it is you get you know you 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 handle it more maturely more mature than the other person per se but then they do one thing to you and you say something about it and it's like of the uh, an apocalyptic like downpour of just you you, you are you are a devil you're satanic like you a punk you are this you are that like you it goes completely like like you just like you've insulted their whole existence because you pay you've drawn attention to a, a problematic behavior that you're not gonna stand for like you're not just gonna put up with anything they do you know these people refuse to value logics and facts and they behave belligerently like they don't they don't really value the truth in their argument so you got to figure that out real quick like is you know are you are you guys even on the same playing field about this they usually shout a lot when they talk and they don't want a reason like they don't this is not like if you're thinking about it from a point where we're talking to get a resolution you have the wrong mentality going into this that is the wrong attitude like they, they they don't want a solution. They just want to go. They just want to go at you. Here's a little excerpt kind of example to give you give you kind of idea how that sounds. You always come home at an unreasonable hour, and it's unsep- unacceptable. Well, you always have company over at all hours, and I think that's unacceptable. It's my house. I'll have company at my leisure. I don't care. I don't want them here. Like both A and B are likely to have a legitimate gripe. Neither are willing to reason, even if it is A's home and B is a guest. If this discussion continues at this pace, it's going to end poorly. Like I said, these con- these t- type of things, like th- the solution is the one absent quality from this. Like they're, the problem is identified, but the solution is not even being discussed, which is why I say, and, and the more time somebody devotes into this without getting that solution, whether they know they're after it or not, the more the more prone you are to to just give up on the bigger man or the high road like you know you just you start to you know lend the helms to your impulses instead of thinking things through because that takes effort and it is physically exhausting over time like to be going back and forth with somebody thinking that you're working towards a common goal when the goal is really 
simply that to drain you and break you down and and wear you out over a period of time like these people are experts at the long game so what's the solution to this avoid these people avoid them don't engage don't try to work it out don't try to fix them don't try to solve it avoid these people at all costs ghost them cut them off don't don't follow up with them don't do small things do not engage with them seriously if you have to be around them you can be cordial there's nothing wrong with being cordial but i would highly recommend that you do not involve seriously in any regard that you that you that you matter as serious any matter that you regard as serious do not associate with these individuals they are usually very good at the bait and switch game. They start off as very nice people. They seem cool. They work out to your benefit until you start to deal with them and you see how they really are. These people who love to use this two wrongs fallacy is what I'm calling it. If it's another name for it, I'll figure that out. But two wrongs, the people who engage with this are, are probably the most dangerous individuals to like get involved with like seriously romantically any kind of way like if you have a working business relationship with them and it's like on a real business level yeah probably whatever you know they probably are shrewd business people due to their narcissistic and sociopathic attributes with they've which they've manifested in a way where it be it could become useful and and, and have utility in in the workplace and in the corporate environment but in personal life these people will destroy you actively or passively like do not deal with these people avoid them anybody who uses this on you or if you're using it on someone else and you and, and you see people start avoiding you don't be surprised it's not it does not solve problems and that's the biggest problem with it two wrongs fallacy Thank you for listening to part one of nine of Mental Maintenance on the weekend report for the Chico Demanwell Show. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and uh, I'll see you guys Monday for the original episode of the Chico Demanwell Show. I'll holler at you.